Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Higher Volume. Everyone always bitches that the boys of Atlanta Zone have the worst sound quality out of any podcast out there in the hemisphere currently. Well, we turned it up. If it's too loud, that's on you. The way the audio waves are ridiculously loud. Enjoy! What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty well, Graham. Weird week. Indeed. This is a kind of classic Atlanta sports right here where we have something to be very excited about, but we're getting dragged down by the anchor. That is the Atlanta Falcons currently as yes, well. Yes, the Falcons are, uh, it's time to push the panic button. It's time to squeal as loud as you can in agony. Well, here's what I think we should do to the Falcons. Because of the respect that they're showing, or the lack of respect that they're showing to their fans by just putting a god-awful product out there, I think we should give them the Atlanta United treatment. Or just not talk about them? Well, we'll just mention them in passing at the end. I don't know. I think we have to talk about it. We actually know something about the Falcons. We are, we care. Not to say we don't care about Atlanta United, but if you put one next to the other, uh, you know, we clearly pick the Falcons. I know, but I just feel like the effort I'm seeing doesn't make me want to put in the effort. I mean, we can get into it. I think I've also gotten into it with multiple people this week about the Falcons. It'll be good. I think we can have some spirited debate on that. Okay. As much as I respect your position, I I, I refute it. Hmm. But you understand it. I understand it. Okay. Where do you want to start? Let's um. Let's do the same thing we did last week. Start with the bad. Start with the bad. All right. Let's talk about the Falcons having just lost. I don't even remember the score. It was so bad. What twenty-seven to ten to the Titans at home? At home. It's not like we went on the road and they just kicked our ass at home against a mediocre quarterback with a pedestrian receiving core minus seventy-nine-year-old tight end Delaney Walker. Absolutely destroyed by their their offense. Uh, Derrick Henry also rushed for a hundred yards. Could have been worse. I mean, it could have been worse. He could have really killed us. I mean, he, he picked up, I think, 71 yards in the, in the second half. But just from, like, just from go, I knew it was going to be bad. The crowd wasn't into it at all, and that was, that was fair considering how shitty we were in our last game against uh, the Colts. And everybody just looked flat. It was, once again, classic uh, Dan Quinn uh, team over the last couple of years. They come out looking like they've been drinking all night uh, the night before. And just don't want to be there. Well, here's a question, Graham, that I haven't really thought of until now. Why is it that our fans have given up so quickly on a team? We gave up on them kind of when they were own one. But for one and two, I don't understand why a crowd would be that flat instantly. I think I mean, it- you look at the Steelers last night. They're an 0-3 ball club. And their crowds there being raucous making a difference. Why... Do we give up on this team 
after one and two. Because we're conditioned to have zero expectations for the Falcons anymore or ever because of the pain they've put us through over their 50-plus years of existence. Think about the Steelers have won six Super Bowls. The Falcons have been to two Super Bowls and lost both of them. Um, oh, have still, we, Graham? Is that, yeah. is that fact? That's a fact. We lost? But I'm trying to – yeah. So the point is, is that, that. We, we've never fucking won. We suck now. And the, the fan base is tired of this bullshit. It's the same old, same old, week in, week out for the last couple seasons. And everybody's done with it. And the past uh, PTSD of pain that this franchise has put us in, not just in this era, but in all eras, is uh, has made us very tired. I mean, I this is one of the games when the schedule came out, I, I circled and, been, and was thinking, oh, this would be a, a, a decent game to go to because it's not a high-profile pro- opponent. Tickets will probably be cheap on StubHub. You know, hopefully we'll be in a good spot at this point. We'll be like two and one at the at the worst. Instead, we're one and two, and then we proceed to lose. Uh, it was twenty four to ten, not twenty seven to ten. Twenty four to ten by fourteen at home to a uh, pretty pedestrian Titans team, which makes us one of the shittiest teams in the NFL, in my opinion. I think we're top eight in terms of being shitty. We're we're the best of the shitty teams. I would say that. There's a lot of pride to be taken in being the, the best of the worst. Like, we're not, I mean, we're not the Bengals. We're not the Dolphins. I think the Cardinals are going to kick our ass in a couple of weeks. We might lose to the Cardinals. But there, there's some really bad teams out there this year. I'll say that much at least. Well, but you know what the worst part about this is, Adam? We are the new Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't believe this Jameis resurgence. Bruce Arians is a good coach. He's getting the most out of Jameis right it's now. Truth. Good things happens when, happen when you get a good uh, coach in. The thing, yeah, exactly. Like when someone actually understands how to get the most out of people and put together a, a game plan that adapts and evolves to their personnel and isn't just throwing the same, doing the same thing week in and week out. Yeah, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, you look at Jameis early in the season, he was terrible. Last two weeks, I think he's thrown eight touchdowns, only one pick, and for like 800 yards or something crazy. They just went on the road. And beat the defending NFC champions, the Rams. Uh, it was a shootout, and their defense is, is still awful. But they went out there and won. The goddamn Saints with backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, even though they were at home, they beat a very good Dallas team, twelve to ten with Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina goes on the road to a uh, hostile environment with a with a good Texans team, who we're going to play next week, and a backup quarterback with a backup quarterback, and win. On the road, we are clearly the worst, not just by rec- – uh, it's not just one of those things where it's like we're the worst team in the division right now. We're going to be the worst team in the division for the rest of the season. We are a terrible team right now, and I don't see any way out. Yeah, I mean, there's no – I mean, there, there's a difference between being one and three and having some tight losses where you played well, but a couple things didn't go your way. Right. They've, they've shown us nothing. I mean, except for the, the the second half of the Colts, yeah, showed us a little something. That was some that was something where I thought they could build off that because the Titans, admittedly, have a I would perceive a better defense than the Colts, particularly in the, stopping the run. You know, Devontae was once again uh, awful, but they have a very good uh, run defense. The Titans do. They have for the last couple of years. Devontae only had twelve carries, twenty eight yards. But, you know, the Titans, I think, have a better passing defense and a better uh, run defense. So, you know, the, the, the challenge, you know, is going to be much more of a challenge this week, which is, which is fair. But when you have the weapons that this team has, like the, the, the lack of results is ridiculous. And there was a lot of moments where it could have gone the other way. But we either, you know, gave up a big sack 
or had a holding penalty or, you know, Sanu, even though he had a very good game, dropped a touchdown. You know, if, if we, it seemed like every time we were building a little momentum on offense, we'd do something to completely screw ourselves in true to Atlanta fashion. One of the uh, most disgusting stats I saw was that the week prior, Marcus Mariota got sacked eight times. Yes. He had zero sacks, Graham. He was way too comfortable in the pocket. Uh, we got zero sacks as a team. And uh, Mariota, who's they were talking about maybe benching him. But, you know, he looked pretty good against the Falcons, did the majority of his damage in the, in the first half, but overall went 18-27 for 227 yards and three touchdowns. Um, two touchdowns to A.J. Brown, who looked like freaking Jerry Rice out there. It's making us look silly. I mean, listen to this. A.J. Brown, who's done nothing pretty much the whole season, three catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns. 55-yard uh, reception, I believe, on the touchdown, one touchdown that he had. Corey Davis, who also is, historically sucks. Five catches, 91 yards. I mean, the thing is, is that Mariota didn't have to do that much to beat us. They just had a couple of good plays and, and took her asses out, and then they gave, and then just fed Henry the entire second half. Well, some guy on on the Twitter, uh, it's a social media platform, Graham. What social media? Yeah, and he did a breakdown of their third and twelve conversion hmm. to Corey Davis, where the defense is lined up. They're all like 15 yards back. He's got so Mariota doesn't have to do anything. And, he yeah. dumps it off. Three defenders swarm towards him. Could have had him down at, with like two to three yards to go. But of course, we suck at tackling. Of course, so he missed three tackles and he picks up 13. Yeah, it's it's incredible to me how the Falcons I mean, it, defense it might have been third and 15. I can't remember. Either way, either way, it was a third and long, and that shouldn't happen. And here's the thing that really pisses me off about the Falcons defense: week in and week out. What do I see? When I look at the corner receiver matchups, not in terms of like who's good and who's bad, but in terms of their positioning on the field, we give so much space to the wide receivers. It's ridiculous. We pay, play back like 10 or 15 yards off of them every single play. We have a very predictable defense. We do not send enough blitzes. Uh, I thought we did a decent job of blitzing the Eagles game, but for the most part, we don't send enough blitzes, and we give guys tons of time to just uh, quarterbacks tons of time just sit back there and pick us apart. It's soft coverage. We don't mix it up. We don't do any, like, you know, cover zero suicide blitzes like like uh, like the Eagles do. We don't do a cover two defense. We just sort of sit there and play this either soft zone or soft man, and we just get picked apart. And the proof is in the pudding. Mariota kills us. Brissett kills us. The only guy who didn't kill us is Carson Wentz because he had all of his receivers. Um you know, out of the game. The only other guy who didn't kill us was Cousins because all he had to do was hand off to Dalvin Cook, who absolutely destroyed us on the ground. Like, there's, you, you can't do anything at all, and no one has any answers. Every single press conference, just we have to do better. We're pissed off. Um, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta fix some things, and no one has a specific way of doing that. They just say we have to do it, and they're just gonna keep beating their heads into the wall until uh, Arthur Blank finally pulls the plug on this pathetic, what has become a pathetic regime. Well, it's hilarious how you saw who went into Indianapolis and beat down those Colts that we made look so great, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders went in there and kicked ass. Jacoby Brisket looked garbage. Brisket. Yes. Jacoby Brisket. I know what I said. (laughs) Um, So, like, we're making these mediocre to below average uh, quarterbacks look like studs. Yeah. So it's going to be scary. 
when we face an actual elite quarterback. And I wouldn't even say Deshaun Watson is elite who oh, we, we played this week. Up, but he, then they have, they've underperformed offensively this season. They have not done a lot. Like Fuller hasn't had a good season. DeAndre Hopkins has only had that one big game against the, the Saints to begin the year. Um, but you know but what? they are going to explode on us. If you had them in fantasy football or you play in the DFS, I know I'm going to be stacking the shit out of the Texans in this in, the, in that game because they are going to maul us to death. It's going to be like 45-3 to three or something. They're, it's going to be disgusting. They're, they're licking their chops. Good, good old Deshaun. I'm, I am a Deshaun guy being a Clemson Tiger, so I'm happy that he's got our defense coming in so he can kind of right the ship on this year and uh, turn things around for himself. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean – I don't. I think forty-five-three is a little. It's probably a little. I'm. I, I think I'm. I'm just overly negative because I'm. What I'm seeing is just such so piss poor. Um, it's probably not going to be that bad, but we're going to get. If we win that game, I will uh, come on next week's podcast. What should I do? What's something ridiculous I can do? Something ridiculous you can do on a podcast. On the podcast, it's tough because it's in you know auditory and all, but uh, I want you to go through. All of our episodes, okay, and find everything you've ever said that was wrong. Actually, not even that far. I mean, that's too ridiculous. Yeah, it's like two years. Go back worth a shit to your predictions for the Braves this season, ah. and your predictions for the Falcons this season. And okay, because you had a terrible prediction about the Falcons, Graham, and the Braves. I believe you said something about a Super Bowl. I said we're we are dark horses to become champions. So I want to find. I want you to have to find all your terrible predictions. Okay, I'll find at least three, and I'll I'll play them on the air, and then you can ridicule me nice. and say how much of a fucking idiot I am. That'll be fun. All right, that's what I'll do if we win. But I don't have to worry about it because there's no chance in hell <laughs> of, of us going on the road and, well, and beating an AFC. Once again, we suck against the AFC. It doesn't matter who they are. Well, this doesn't count as one of your three predictions. No, you'd have to find three others. Yes, I have to find three predictions. others. Yes. Okay. But I'll play this one too. Just well, forty-five just, three just, is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, what else is, is shitty? Um, Your boy Matt Bryant. You worried about him yet? I don't think I have any reason to be worried about him because even though he missed that kick, it was like whatever. We we just suck. I mean, like it's bad that he missed a thirty-two yard kick. He does not look like him. He did not look like himself there. But we got a lot more. You know, uh, we have a we have a hell of a lot bigger problems going on than than Matt Bryant right now. Think about this, Adam. Through. Uh, through our first four games, we're only averaging 17.5 points per game. Sark, on the other hand, mm. um, we were scoring 29 points per game in the first four games of the year last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we offense did suck over a little bit during that second half of the, of the year in terms of generating points, but you know, at least the offense was scoring a lot in the first uh, four games. See, I think... Last season. I think that... Sark's another one we could look back as a mistake because we were comparing him to Shanahan. Yes. And Shanahan, that was our peak, the best we could ever be. We were like a top 10 all-time offense. Number eight all-time in the history of the NFL. Hey, look at that. I was making that stat up, and it turned out to be right. Yes. Um, Yeah, so for us, we were comparing Sarkeesian to Shanahan, which isn't reasonable. And now we see, oh, actually, maybe we did have a little good thing going with your boy Sark, I mean, it was better than this. Like this is bad, and I don't know how much of ten the, points, seventeen and a half points 
Oh, averaging. Yeah, 10 I'm points against the last game. Yes, yes, 10 points. We're not a team that scores 10 points. No, this team is capable of scoring 30 points a game, I think, if they're on their shit, but they're never on their shit. And every time, like I said, every time we get a little bit of momentum, there's a strip sack fumble, there's holding, there are other sacks. Let's talk about the damn three times we couldn't convert fourth and short. Devontae Freeman gets stuffed on one of those, which was ridiculous. I mean, we haven't been able to do that since the Ovi Mahaley days. Yeah, and that's Michael another thing. Turner. It's like we have a fullback on this roster. I don't even remember his fucking name. But he is never used. So what's the point of having him on the roster if you're not going to use him for short yardage situation or for blocking? Because we are terrible at running the football. And I don't know if it's Devontae sucks, the offensive line sucks, or it's predictable play calling, or we're not getting a chance to run the ball enough because we're down so much throughout the entire fucking game. But we're only averaging 70.2 yards per game rushing, which is 27th in the NFL. Well, maybe – how about we admit that Devontae isn't what he used to be. Yes. And those short situations, we drafted a 200, like, 45-pound running back who – Oh, Quadri. Allison. Yeah, why have five running backs if you're going to use two of them? Yeah, I mean, that's what he was brought in for, I thought, was – to pick up those tough yards. Yeah. Either use the fullback or use Quadri in the fullback or what or put him back there as a running back. Devontae is uh is done to me. He's he's a shell. He can't do anything. He's not being helped out that much by the offensive line. But even when he has gotten good blocking, you know, the only time he he's done anything of note was against the Colts, who have you know, admittedly one of the worst run defenses in the league. So you can't really put too much stock in that. And when push comes to shove, we are weak on, on our offensive line. Part of that, you know, has to be due to, uh, you know, Lindstrom, you know, being out. But, you know, Alex Mack had to go out. And we go uh, a little bit during this game. We talked about, uh, you know, a lot about how this team has, you know, supposedly gotten more depth on the offensive line. That should help us if anyone has to go out. Um, you know, they, they still looked – I didn't even really notice a difference. They were still trash, so terrible. Um, Jamon Brown got a concussion. You know, it's like, once again, it just feels like we're, we're dropping like flies and we have no answers for anything. Um, I really don't know what else to say. We made a trade. We did trade Duke Riley. That's another, that's, I thought about that the other day when I, when I, in our season preview show, and I was like, Duke Riley, I think it's going to be the biggest yeah, surprise. Yeah, yeah. I, I said Duke Riley's going to be the biggest surprise, and after week four, he's traded, and he never really saw the field <laughs> except for special teams. I thought he was going to do something. I saw him in the preseason, I was like, holy shit, look at him take good angles and make good tackles. You know, he's going to go to the Eagles and become an all pro. That's my prediction. I, I don't think that's we, true. We traded for a safety, and I don't. Like, I'm sorry that this is kind of lazy uh, recapping here, but the Falcons are just – every time I read an article, like, it's a, it's a struggle to get through. I was about halfway through an article in The Athletic uh, yesterday, and I was like, i got to stop reading this. Like, I, 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 I don't want I don't, I, I don't to know anymore. I don't care. I mean, I care, but, like, god damn, this is so painful. Dirk, Dirk Cutter had a pretty hard-hitting quote. Oh, yeah. Um, he said that at the end of the day, we should be scoring more points. That is um, something else. Well, he, he did come from Mike Smith, so. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I feel like we're going to look back on this year, realize that we tried to take the easy way out, where two coordinators were fired as scapegoats, when really they might have been doing a pretty damn good job in Sark and Marquand Manuel. I don't know if they were doing, like, a great job or anything. I don't know. 
But but what? But it could have been like we might have had the coordinators in place. We just needed the head coach in place. I think that giving up on Marquand, I think he could have come back. Um, Sark, on the other hand, was bad his first year, better his second year, but still wasn't getting us to where we need to go. And it's really hard in situations like this to figure out. You can't blame it all on one person um, or, or, or even just like a unit. Uh, it, it's a collective failure, which is cliche, but it's true. And um, everyone is to blame. At the end of the day, Dan, Dan Quinn's head has to roll. Um, what if we come back to win the next five, Graham? Now I guess his head doesn't have to roll. But I, I, if there's just no conceivable way I see that happening. We were one quarter through the season. We're one in three. We buried ourselves. The rest of the division is playing much better than we are. We're not even in division play yet, and we're going to be out of it by the time we get to division play. But that, but that goddamn Thanksgiving game is going to be the most pathetically attended game in the history of Atlanta sports. There's going to be like 10,000 people there, and 5,000 of them are going to be Saints fans, and it's going to be awful. And Drew Brees is going to come back, and they're going to win 40 to nothing. All right, now, now you're jumping I'm the gun. I'm, I'm in classic Graham hate mode right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is just, man, I can't deal with this anymore, man. I can't deal with this. Bullshit from Quinn. This feels like, like I said the week before, this feels like Mike Smith redo 2.0. This is a bunch of bullshit. The well, way people yeah, it just feels like a head coach on his way out, which yeah, which happens. Um, <clears throat> but I'm also just disappointed in the organization. Like seeing the stadium like that is a direct reflection on the decisions that they made, and we've discussed this a million times with the PSLs. But you're pricing out your average fans that actually make a stadium a place like making an actual home field advantage yeah it's just corporate stadiums now i mean and it's happening all over the nfl it's not just here but that's not helping the the product on the field no and the product on the field isn't inspiring people to want to come out either it's Um, it's it's a bad uh combination of things but i mean I mean, look, at the, the Braves moved to this fancy new ballpark, but it's still affordable to go to a game. Granted, it's a nightmare to get out there, but yeah. that's gone in the right direction. So you would think that the Falcons could have done the same thing going from the Georgia Dome right next door to Mercedes-Benz, but I think Uncle Arthur got a little greedy. Yeah, he got greedy like we've, we've talked about, and it's also just the team. If the team was better, we'd have better – obviously we'd have, I think, a much better better attendance. But who the hell knows? I think I think people are just sick of this shit. They're, they're done. But yeah, I mean, it's just like I was saying though. Just, and, and the people that were there were booing the shit out of the Falcons, yeah. which usually in Atlanta you don't hear anything if, if you're bad. Like there were, it was audible even on the TV, even though there weren't that many people there. Um, you know, people were pissed, and I'm not an advocate for booing because I don't think it solves anything. But I'm also not going to sit here and say don't do it because it's America, do whatever the hell you want. And if you want to displeasure, you know, voice your displeasure by booing at a game that you paid money to go to and your team is not performing well, that's your, that ticket gives you the, the right to make an ass of yourself as much as you want. Like, if, you want to, if that's the way you want to do it, do it. I know both of us have done it in the past. Yeah, if you're not going to... I try not to, but, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I boo more so bad calls. Like, I'll boo an official, but I try not to boo players just because I feel like that doesn't solve anything but if you want to do that man whatever like i'm not gonna get upset like this is piss poor bullshit and i don't know how arthur blank can let this continue if we lose to the texans by you know 
30, 40 points or something like something ridiculous, right? They just blow us out of the water. Game's over by halftime. Dan Quinn's got to be fired immediately. And I would be fine with, with it if he was fired right now. Honestly, like this, the writing is on the wall. It is over. It is done. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely standard standard. You're going a little farther than I am. I mean, I agree. Quinn is done, but I also have a rational side that says we're one and three. We were one and three last year. We got back to four and four. And then the wheels fell off. Yeah. But I mean, but then we have those divisional games. So anything could happen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I mean, are, are you really putting that much faith in Jameis Winston to be like this all year? It's not even Winston as much as it is the Panthers. I mean, their defense is playing great, forcing turnovers, getting tons of sacks. Um, the Saints are the Saints. They're showing that they're still a very good team without Drew Brees and that Tate Bridgewater can, can steer the ship until he returns. Yeah, that's upsetting. I, um, I always just assumed the Saints would disappear once Brees was gone. We don't know. They actually have a, a kind of <clears throat> football coach, maybe a fucking asshole, who uh, wants to target people for, for money uh, and try to injure players on opposing teams, but he's a good coach. Always always mixes up his schemes offensively in particular. Always has a great game plan. Um, I don't ever want another coach to come here that has coached here before. I don't want another Dirk Cutter, Mike Malarkey, all of you, Dan Quint, no one can ever come back. Like, please go. Well, that was, away. That was the other, I, th- I think I didn't finish my point, but it, we took the easy way out by bringing back all these old coaches, you know? Yeah. Um, versus trying something new. Yeah. You heard any of the speculation about who takes over for Quinn? I've heard uh, some people talking about Mike McCarthy. That was John Kincaid saying uh, that. Yeah, I don't know. I think he I – don't, I don't like that as much because even though he did win a Super Bowl – uh, everything that happened with him and Rodgers wasn't very good, and their offense became very dysfunctional at the end of his tenure. So I, I'm not really. Interested. That seems too easy for me too. Yeah, I don't. I, I want I don't one of these young bucks. Give me a Sean McVay type. Give, give me another, Sean McVay's another, offensive coordinator. Sure. His, his quarterback coach. You know what? Who his offense? I don't know if it's his offensive coordinator or quarterback. Coach. It's one of the two. But was uh, he was on? I think he's now the coach of the Packers, Matt Lafleur. He was he was our I think quarterback coach during the Super Bowl run for Shanahan. And for some reason, we didn't hire him. I remember having some debate about letting this guy go. Yeah, we didn't hire him for offensive coordinator. Instead, uh, he went out to L.A., I believe. Um, and now he's, I believe, the head coach, LaFleur. Yeah, Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Packers. So I would like to find someone who is offensively minded. I know defense wins championships, but our, our strength as a team is offense. We have a lot of pieces in place that are still very good. We need to get someone in here who is uh, not old school, who is uh, has a new way of thinking, can actually make adjustments. I do not want any more old guys who are supposedly defensive masterminds who clearly run predictable, shitty defenses who can't stop dick. Well, here's Bring the- in a new young blood who can come in here and shake this franchise up, and please get rid of Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, Earth to Graham. Earth to Over. Graham. Reading. Um... Dan Quinn was a young new guy when we hired him. He, but I wanted McVeigh. I want like somebody who's like thirty-two. Well, you made the, <laughs> so, so. I want someone who's very new school. Dan Quinn's been in football for years. I think he's just his, his approach is stale. I don't see Arthur Blank going with an unproven guy now. Well, who are you going to do? Bring in uh, I don't know Wade Phillips. 
I don't know, man. I I'd bring in Wade Phillips, a defensive coordinator, in a heartbeat. He's a brilliant D coordinator. I'd know that. Let's bring in Rex Ryan. Fuck that. No. That's the I last thing. I want Rex Ryan. No. Rob Ryan. Oh, God. And, um, and, and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. That's, that's, that's what we need. The guy I've, I've been hearing a lot of high praise for, the offensive coordinator for the um, Cowboys now, Kellen Moore. Oh, yeah. He's he's like thirty two. Sure. Okay, perfect. Yeah, he's transformed Dak Prescott into like he was old just world quarterback. he was just a quarterback like two years ago. Yeah, there we go. Bring him right. in. Put a dump truck of money at his, at his. I don't care. Find someone like that who you know would actually shake up the organization. Give him like a bunch of stock in Home Depot. Yeah, get the job done. Right, and uh, make him give PSLs out to all us uh, losers who can't afford it. If you have an Atlanta sports podcast for over. Two years? Yes, we're over two years now. You get a PSL. Yes, for free. Yes. That's fair. Man, that's the angriest I've been in a while. I got something that's going to cheer you up, Graham. Okay. Brewers are up 2 nothing. Oh, in the first yeah. Game. Go Brewers. Scherzer, it looks like he walked the first guy and then gave up a two-run bomb. Fuck yeah. So. Nationals are cursed just like we are. I love it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that score holds. Misery does love company, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Nationals, you think about the Oh, yeah. <laughs> they've won four division titles since everyone started picking them to be the greatest you know, thing since sliced bread, and they've lost in the first round every time. I think three of those times was in five games. Uh, it's just I just love it when they lose. I mean, they playoffs. haven't won it. Playoff series no, since never. the 80s. No, they never won a playoff series. Well, like the Senators won. Well, the Senators. But I'm just talking about the fran- that franchise, going back for the Expos to Nationals. That's classic. Has never won a playoff series. Yeah, we're like sadists or something. I, I definitely do get a lot more joy watching people lose who are supposed to win. Yes. Than I get from... Because it's happened to us so many times. Yeah. I love seeing all these upstart teams that their fans are getting excited about just crash. Yeah. I don't want anyone else to be excited. No, no one else should have any success. We can't have it. No one else can. Especially if it's a team that has no reason to do anything, like the Royals when they won the World Series uh, a few years ago or four years ago, whenever that was. It's like, okay, that's fine. They haven't won since like 1985. It was fine, but it's like, man, why can't that be us? Well, sure, but at least you don't, at least it's not the Red Sox winning it again or the Yankees. Or, but when the Red Sox or Yankees win, I don't care because no one cares anymore. But it's still just another It's like intern Jared here not caring about the Patriots winning. Right. They like, if the so Patriots much. win this year, who cares? Yeah, he wants them to go back and just be another uh, another Falcons. He would love this. He would, yeah. He would. He, would, he, he has embraced the Falcons as his second team. Like he, he actually called me. Yeah. It was funny. He was uh, he was doing some some uh, some work on the road for the podcast, and he's like, "What the hell's going on with these birds? I've been checking the scores. This is ridiculous. They just they just got no heart." I hope they come back. We got no heart. Dan Quinn doesn't know what he's doing. He just started going on this whole rant, and I was, I was like, I was like, yeah, it's pretty bad. I, you know, maybe we can turn around the um, second half. But I was totally deluding myself. I knew we weren't going to do that. Yeah, no, he had a. He called me last night as well, just screaming to me about the Falcons and yeah, the heart thing is just huge to intern Jared. I mean, like it's coming from a guy who doesn't have the heart to follow through on producing a. Podcast sure. and he's talking about a football team's heart. Right, it's uh, it's a little pot calling the kettle black there. Yeah, you hypocritical bastard. Um, but I appreciate the passion. Sure, sure. Uh, something we don't have anymore for the Falcons. No, Matt Ryan was sacked another five and a half times uh, the other day. I I don't know how long he can hold up anymore. And he also one of those sacks was a, a strip fumble. Um, I believe that was on fourth down. 
it's just, man. You know, <sighs> the, you know what the saddest part of my week is? Going in on Monday morning with just knowing you have a shitty football team. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Uh, driving in on Monday morning and listening to the Matt Ryan interview on the front row. <laughs> I, I, I boycotted that over the last two years. I just happened to be going in at the exact time he came on. And it's just, I almost feel bad for Matt for having Like, can you imagine the way we feel on a Monday? Oh, he's got to be so how pissed. How he feels. You know, Matt's like one of the biggest competitors there is. And all you detractors out there, which I know there are many, and they're growing by the day. He has thrown for the second most yards in the NFL this year. Do with that what you will. Here's what I want to see. This next game when we're getting blown out. Or hell, maybe throw him out at the beginning. Let's see Matt Schaub in no. for a quarter just so you can see what a mediocre quarterback looks okay. like. And then everyone will shut the fuck up. Man. Okay, that's that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I mean, I, I get, like, if you want to draft, like, take a fourth-round quarterback in uh, the next couple of years, that's fine. I think you're going to have to, considering that this franchise is on the brink of ruin. And you might laugh at me when I say that, but... Or maybe not, because we suck so much this year. But think about all the long-term money we've locked up in guys. Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. I mean, these are all great players. Uh, Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman. These well, Devontae's not a great player, but the other four are, I would say, great players. The problem with that is, is that you've invested so much money into them and rearranged the cap so much that the pro, you know, when you get down to it, when you need to fill holes on your team, think about the other the other two guards we signed in the offseason, multiple year deals, three and four year deals, I think, or something like that. Uh, yeah, for a guy, there's no guaranteed money though. There's some guaranteed money. Regardless, I'm just saying we're locking guys up to to sizable deals. And Arthur Blank, every time there's a free agent he likes that's coming up, or a, a free agent to be on our team, he's like, they're going to be Falcons for life. I love them. And that's great. And a lot of those guys are, are great players. But we have no more money to do anything with anymore. You know what might be the problem here? Well, actually, I have two points. I have a positive point and a negative yeah. point. Which one do you want to hear first? I I want to make one more point, and then I want to hear your positive or negative points. It's like we've locked all this money up, and we still ha- and we have with, with all these players, and we have a horrible team and a very dim outlook because of it. That was your last point that we have a horrible team and a dim outlook. No, I'm talking been, about I'm not a dim outlook for like the future. The thing we've been discussing. No, no, Adam, time. for the future, the all these signings, all these signings of folks is it's going to kill our cap for the future. And we are uh, not in a good place because if if we've invested all this money into all these guys and we're one in three now, think about what's going to happen in the next year or two. We're going to be even worse. It's going to be perennial six and ten, four and twelve, seven and nine. Well, there's a couple good things out of there, Graham. A, if we have these highly regarded pieces locked up, you could potentially trade some of them. I guess you could trade them for draft picks. Ugh. Or B. We are going to be the most sought-after head coaching vacancy for whoever the best whoever the best out there is. They're going to want to come and work with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and Deion Jones sure. and Grady Jarrett versus going to try to turn the Dolphins around in two years and get fired because that's what you do. Yeah. Or you could just plug yourself into a team that should be ready to win right now, but mm-hmm. just has a shitty coach. And then you're going to look like a savior to the city of Atlanta. That would be great. And Uncle Arthur. That would be great. Um, the other point I wanted to make based off your, your rant there, uh, Alex Anthopoulos was doing an interview this week on 680. Mm. 
And he made the point how, and he said he had made the mistake in Toronto of getting too too close to players. So when the time came to make the tough decisions on these players, he has a personal connection with them, and it's a lot difficult. Arthur Blank does not take that same approach. No. So like him going out there and saying these guys are going to be Falcons for lives, that doesn't help anybody. Kills any negotiations that we have, and it doesn't let us make the tough decisions and be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't give Vic Beasley $14 million. That's the worst thing that we could have possibly done. Think about how we could have spent that money. We could have spent that money on, uh, I don't know, cornerback uh, help. Instead of entrusting Isaiah Oliver, who's clearly not ready. Maybe he'll be good one day, but he's clearly not ready. He's getting torched. Could have spent that money more in the trenches. Um, whatever. But it's Instead, just like, you put it into. If you've got your front office and your owner just being too vocal in the public and having like family type relationship with these guys, you won't be able to be like, okay, this first round pick didn't work. Let's move on. Right. So be it. We we screwed that one up. Let's not make it worse. Right. And you're going to make mistakes like that. That happens in, in any profession. You're going to make bad decisions I feel sometimes. Like especially football. Like, there's so of many first round busts. Of course. Think about baseball. All the draft picks you have in that. You have like 30 draft picks or something like that every year, maybe more. You're, gonna, you're not going to hit on everybody, but it's okay to admit that you made a mistake and to move on. And the asinine, arrogant approach of bringing back a guy who has been the worst. Uh, defensive end since last season on $12 million is total horseshit. And we we can, we as a fan base need to collectively rise up, pun intended, and demand better from this franchise. What do you think our next slogan is going to be? This has to be the last year of Rise Up. I think Rise Up sticks. It's been around since like, well, it's only been around for about 10 years. Yeah, because remember it was a Hawks thing. Yeah, no one remembered that. And then I think in 09, I think we, we started doing Rise Up. I will, Rise Up will stay. Brotherhood, that's dying. Brotherhood's dead. Yeah, the brotherhood's gone. Brotherhood, brothership, and brotherhood, uh, all that crap is, is gone. Stale. I can't wait to see tomorrow what Dan Quinn's motivational T-shirt is going to be. Last week, it was uh, we have each other's backs with like hands grabbing each other. Is he doing that every week? I think that's a new thing now. His his last desperate, desperate attempt for team unity. You had hands holding all the all the wrists. Like uh, I'm doing a horrible job explaining that, and I'm making motions with my hands right now. No one can see. It was like it was like hands interlocked in a circle. And it was like we have each other's back or something bullshit. Last and the week and a week. Uh, what was it? Week two. It was bad mother. We are bad motherfuckers or something like that. Or week three. Whatever. I can't wait to see what it is tomorrow. I think Bill Belichick's doing stuff like that? No, Bill Belichick doesn't need gimmicks. He has an infallible system of, of cheating and excellence that carry him to the top nearly every year. Hmm. Well, this has been fun. I'm exhausted. I fell asleep on the floor watching that game. So It's a better use of your time than watching the, yeah, the son of a bitch. It was. I had to catch up on some sleep. Woof. All right, now let's move on to happier topics. Uh, since the Falcons segment ended about two seconds ago, we learned that the Nationals <laughs> are now down 3 nothing to the Brewers. Hopefully that score will continue to hold or increase. But one thing I love so much is after the Nationals are eliminated every year, either in the regular season or the postseason, I always go to the Washington Post. Because they actually have pretty decent sports writers over there. But they always have great op-eds about... Uh, 
you know, what went wrong with the Nationals this year and, and what can we look forward to and, and next year? How can we get better and all this stuff? And every single time it's the same thing in terms of just them wistfully hoping for a better future and, and these guys will get together. They're too talented. Bryce Harper this, Scherzer that, Strasburg, Corbin, et cetera, at all. And every year it's the same and it's so wonderful. I bathe in the glow of their misery. It feeds my soul. They are really cocky bastards during the offseason, aren't so they? So arrogant. They win the offseason. They had the best team on paper. Blah, blah, blah. Remember like remember this. When, when the Nationals made the move for Max Scherzer, Bryce Harper was interviewed and he said, oh, yeah, once I heard that, I was like, well, where's my ring? Mm-hmm. Like this was in spring training. It's yeah, one thing to say. It's one same thing to say our goal is to win a championship. It's another to say, "Where's my ring?" Like some entitled little prick. Here, here's not to burst your bubble, Graham. Might be getting ahead of ourselves again. A, yeah, it's, a, it's the third inning. <laughs> second, second inning. Yeah, okay. And I could see a scenario where the Nationals come back to win this game, like ten to three, and then beat the Dodgers, and we win our first ever NLDS since two thousand one. And then the Nationals stomp us. And this audio comes back to haunt us. That could certainly happen. But at least right now, I'm very pleased. Yeah. It's, it's been a huge lift to my spirits after that, the misery that was the Falcons segment. It will be fun to watch that game tonight. I mean, wild card games are awesome if your team's not in it. Yeah, if your team's not in it, it's quite exciting. I get why they did it. I would be so I still hate it. pissed if the Braves were in the wild card game. Unless you're like the second, like the Brewers. They're stoked about it because the Nationals knew they had that wild card wrapped up forever. Yeah. And it just kind of sucks because six years ago, you'd be in the NLDS. Sure. But now you got some scrappy team that won like 15 out of 16 that you got to play. Oh, and, the Cardinals. And, yeah. No, the Brewers. Oh, the Brewers. Oh, you're talking about the wild card still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been – I mean, I'm sure you have as well all these – Old um, the infield fly games popped up a lot since the the big breaking news that for two reasons because you got playing the Cardinals and that's the team that happened against and Sam Hallbrook who made that infamous call is uh, the crew chief for this series. Did you did you see the video that someone posted that they had taken from the like 400 level at Turner Field for that game? It was some raw emotion up there, man. I have never seen. Um, anyone be that angry collectively as a fan base because I was there I would see it like it was yesterday it was just awful it was it was it was terrible talk about booing I was calling an umpire MF for GDU to hell go after yourself and I and then in between that I go boo and then recycle that and then right. boo and recycle that but I didn't throw anything I think that's ridiculous yeah, that, that is over the line. That could have cost us the fourth of the game. Chipper was also on 680 this morning. And um, he was just talking about, yeah, I mean, it was an atrocious call, but we also made three errors in that game. Yeah, honestly, I believe if Chipper doesn't make that uh, bad play on an easy ground ball to turn a double play, if he hadn't thrown the ball over Dan Algo's head, we win that game. Because if he makes that play, we get out of that inning. Instead, the Cardinals eventually took a 2-1 lead after that happened. Medlin was rolling. It was no problem. David Ross had a two-run bomb. 
it's crystal clear. We were we were fine. And then at, and then yeah, and he's exactly right. Like that was a bad call. But if you look at the score when that happened, it was like six to two or six to three. So it wasn't like, I mean, things could have changed because of that because we would have scored a run and McCann would have come up. I think with the bases loaded, but it was um, yeah, we we it was true to Atlanta fashion. We just totally hurt ourselves. Like we always do, but let's not let's not dwell on that. Yeah, we have new sunny horizons to look forward to, with the Braves as they square off against the Cardinals in the National League Division Series starting this Thursday at five o two on October third, um, or maybe six o two if the Brewers hold out and win the game. Um, the Braves certainly after they clinch the division sort of went into coast mode to a degree. They were also largely without Freddie Freeman, largely without Ronald Acuna, who pulled up lame last week in the uh, I believe the Royals series. Uh, it was revealed that he had a strained groin and that he was going to be shut down for the rest of the regular season. All reports indicate that Acuna will be locked and loaded and ready to go. But Freddie Freeman did come back against the Mets over the weekend. Didn't really have a great series. He's been really scuffling since the beginning of September. He hasn't had a home run since he took uh, some loser from the White Sox deep. And he, he's had a he's had a rough month overall, and he keeps saying that it's not the elbow, it's not the elbow, but, I mean, he was favoring his elbow on Saturday night during that game. He came out in the seventh inning. He had a couple grimaces. Yeah, he did not uh, make himself available for the media, which tells me kind of all I need to know there in, in the sense that he doesn't want to, you know, draw attention to it and he doesn't want to talk about it. It's clearly bothering him. Hopefully this time off has done some good, but I can't be really optimistic about Freddie making as big of an impact as he could because of his damn elbow spurs. It, it sucks, man, to not have Freddie anywhere close to 100% for yeah. this. I feel like Freddie can still make an impact, <clears throat> and it's not like he's going to be totally useless, but he's not going to be his superstar self, which is uh, something we really need if we want to win. So the good news is we've, we've seen some life out of Josh Donaldson again. Yes. He had a past week. Yeah. Ozzy is... Killing the ball. Consistent as hell. Um, Dansby. Dansby got going. Dansby, we know this Hetchveria argument isn't a thing anymore. Right. Even though he killed it on Sunday, hit two more home runs. And he's he's going to be a weapon off the bench. Yes. To quote your boy Snicker, he'll be a weapon off the bench. I was happy to see Dansby's actually looking like he's got his groove back a little bit. He uh, started hitting in that Royals series, and then he got, I think, uh, he had four hits one night, I think, against the, the Mets. He had another three-hit game. So it looks like he's he's looking better, which is uh, highly encouraging. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's something we didn't have last year was, I mean, we didn't have Dansby Swanson at all. We had Charlie Culberson as our starting quarter, I mean, quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> we put Charlie Culberson as starting quarterback to take over for I'm, Isaiah I'm Oliver. St- I'm still on Falcons, I think. I haven't fully transitioned. Yeah, but, that's, that's fair. I mean, this lineup this year, this roster is just – Heads and tails above what we brought into the playoffs last year. Yeah, and we were playing the damn Dodgers last year on the road, so there's reason for some hope, Graham. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, I think um, one thing that concerns me a little bit with this series right now is the health of of, of Acuna and Freddie. Yep. Um, and then on the starting. Pitching side, yeah, Dallas Keuchel has not looked great in his last three starts. Uh, two of those last three, he's only gone five innings and uh, given up a collective nine runs. Um, not strong walk-to-strikeout numbers either. And he's your game one starter, better or for worse. He does have a great history in the playoffs. 
of doing an exceptional job. So I'm sure he'll get up for it. And I think it might be a little unfair to throw his last not I mean you gotta mention his last three starts, but the team has been I think they were exhausted after clinching the division. They went through a brutal <laughs> schedule. They were facing their two biggest rivals in the division. They kicked both of their asses. Um and yeah, they they were sort of burnt out a little bit, but I think hopefully the rest will do them well. And um, even though the Cardinals have kind of been playing better baseball, they did lose four or five down the stretch after they clinched too. So I mean, there's there's clearly you know when well, they clinched on the last damn day. Well, they they clinched on the last damn day, but in terms of clinching a postseason spot after they did that after they after they knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs. But they had to throw out Flaherty, their number one starter, yes, on Sunday, which is which, which is, is great yeah. because Miles Mikolas is starting and he's nowhere near as good as Jack Flaherty or whatever his name is, Ryan Flaherty. It's Jack. Yeah. Ryan Flaherty was on our roster. Ryan Flaherty's on our roster. I'm getting the Flaherty's confused. Yeah. But um so there's always a little bit of a, a, a letdown there, I think, after you, you achieve what you wanted to achieve. And even though the Cardinals, you're right, did have to actually clinch the vision on the last day of the season, you, they were probably pretty exhausted themselves. Yeah. So well, they've been phenomenal in the second half though. They were a five hundred yeah. team at the all star break and Oh yeah, they weren't like when we played them last, I was like, This team is is done. Like there's no chance they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. So much for that. Uh, but it theory. certainly is like historically, the Cardinals are just a scary team for us to play. I mean, it's just like the Cardinals, the Astros, back when they were in the NL. It's the yeah. the damn Giants. There's always got to be one of these teams coming into town, Graham. One of these upstart teams that uh, is sneaky good that usually beats us. That always beats us. It seems like the Cardinals. We've lost three of four playoff series to them. Um. Most recently, being in the, that atrocious wild card game, what do we think about our our staff going into this game, going into the series in terms of facing up against these these cardinal sitters? Well, I do. I mean, I feel good about it, I, and I keep going to last year, and this is ten times better than what we had last year. Um, but faulty pitching in 98-degree weather in Atlanta on Friday, that's a little scary. It's scary, man. Uh, that's not his, his forte, but I, I understand the whole Soroka splits thing. And it, it's, it's it's like a fine line between, you know, Bobby Cox would be throwing his best starter out there game one. Right. So throwing Fulte out there game two scares me a little bit. Scares, I mean, I, I like having Soroka lined up. Should we lose that game? But I don't know, man. You just we have to be hesitant, just based off our postseason history. Yes, I, I get that this is a completely new group of players and all that, but you can't get yourself too amped up as an Atlanta fan just because no. of the history. We've still got the scars, the scars that the sun can't heal. Uh, I agree with that. The good news is, is that this Cardinals team hasn't exactly been a world beater on offense. It's not like they're very powerful. Um, but they got guys that can beat they, you. They got guys that can beat you. Goldschmidt uh, is definitely one guy to watch out for. But the good news is that they, they do put the ball on the ground a lot, and that plays right into Dallas Keuchel's hands. The thing with him that I'm very interested in is can he – you know, it seemed like so many times this year he would let at least one guy on base during innings, and then he would get bailed out with a double play. Can he, can he work that, uh, that cutter he's got? To his advantage and get the double play when he needs to go. He, he did that pretty consistent. When he was rolling this year, he was doing that very consistently. 
because these guys are going to put the ball in play. They don't strike out a lot. They don't hit a ton of home runs, but they do put the ball in play, and they, they like to hit the ball on the ground. They like to run the bases, too. And they like to run the bases. It's a, it's a quick team. So it's like, and they're also a very good defensive team in terms of like, we match up. It's a very interesting matchup in terms of this team. Like, we have a lot more power. We have comparable defenses, and they have a better bullpen, I would say. Their bullpen has been very good all year. It's not a weak spot. Our bullpen has certainly gotten better, but you're always going to have a little trepidation down there just because hashtag Braves bullpen. So my thing with, with, with Dallas especially is is can he right the ship in terms of his last few starts and looking really sluggish, and can he go out there and make and ensure that he's, he's getting guys to swing early in the count, getting them to make weak contact and grounding out because – they they kind of play into Dallas's forte a little bit because Dallas loves to keep the ball on the ground, jam guys, and uh, and and the Cardinals are going to be be swinging. And if you can get them, um, you know, to, to to put the to put the rock on the carpet, so to speak, um, with weak contact, things look pretty good. I think for for game one. Yeah, I mean, this is why we brought Dallas in. He's, I mean, having a veteran pitcher is huge. I mean, this this is probably not even on the top 10 games he's ever pitched. And this is, yeah, exactly. And this is not like having a veteran pitcher like Anibal Sanchez last year, where it was like, oh, he's a veteran pitcher, but what's he, he has been relevant in the decade. Right. Dallas Keuchel, you know, helped win the World Series two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I do feel pretty good about him. This moment's not going to be too, too big for him at all. Um, and the fact that we're not going up against their ace is kind of nice, too. So we can get well, like, yeah, game one. Yeah, game yes. one. Yeah. So let's yeah let's look at Miles Mikolas a little bit because he was on my fantasy team this year and really let me down. He had a very uh, up and down season. He's a much worse starter away. He's a five four zero ERA, which is nice. Uh, he's given up seventeen home runs on the road. His uh, lefty righty splits. He is uh, susceptible more so to left handed batters who had two eighty four against him. He's given up more homers to right handers though. He hasn't been shut down at all this year. I mean, if you look at look at his numbers, four sixteen ERA, one point two two WHIP is is solid. Um, I'm not sure about his FIP or any of that stuff, but this guy is not someone I'm overly concerned about. And the big thing is um, he has had a much better September in terms of his his splits. But he had a rough August, and uh, I think against the Braves his last start, he went out and went seven innings and I think got the win. But it's not like he's some overpowering guy who throws you know 98 miles an hour and is going to kill you like a Garrett Cole or something like that. This is a very beatable guy who you know is a uh, a right-hander. So you hope that plays into Ozzy's strengths and uh, Freddie's strengths. And um, Donaldson's also been hitting better against right-handers this year. So uh, and Acuna, you know what he can do obviously against anybody, even though the strikeouts are always concerning. But it's not like uh, Miles Mikolas is some strikeout machine. He's he struck out 144 guys this year, and he's given up 27 home runs on the year. So I mean, with our power potential, I like this matchup a lot with our offense. In terms of we are a big power offense, we work the count, um, and I think we can pounce on this guy. It's also never starting the playoffs. It's going to be a very hostile environment. We're going to be rowdy as shit. Yeah, we're going to be ready to rock, and we need to, we as a fan base. Regardless of if we're there at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, you need to be there, ready to go. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah. I don't want to see anybody coming in late. Most most people are taking the days off from work. Yeah. Getting down there. Getting down early to the battery. The battery. What's your favorite restaurant in the battery? Getting a couple cocktails, a couple beers. Get down to the game. Nice early time. Yeah, I'm going to be getting a lot of cocktails, to tell you what. Yeah, well, we're going to... 
jumpstart uh, the payroll for next year. Yes, yes, or or jumpstart the the further development of the the apartments. Sure, either either way, doesn't matter to me. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a promising matchup, but you just. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just I can't I can't I can't go too far. I can't get ground. too confident or anything. But I'm just saying, like I like our chances in that first game a little more than I like our chances in the in the second game, just because Jack Fleury is a guy I'm very afraid of. August's ERA was .71. September .82. Threw a ton of innings. Great walk to strikeout ratio. Didn't walk. Didn't get into double digits of walks at all. Um, holding guy hitting holding guys uh, hitting under. Guys couldn't even hit above 145 against him. Um, he was a bit an absolute ace, the definition of an ace. Doesn't matter if you're lefty or righty, he's going to slaughter you either way. Um, good news is another right-handed bat, so that should play to guys, you know, like we mentioned, and, and Marquegas, of course, who I forgot about, which is nice. The Cardinals don't have a lot of left-handers, which I, I like a lot, especially for Marquegas' purposes and Matt Joyce's purposes, because those guys don't quite like Marquecas really struggles in left-handers. Joyce hasn't hit against enough left-handers this year to really uh, know, but historically he has struggled against left-handers. I think they only have a left-hander in their bullpen, and that's it. So it's nice. That, that is nice. But regardless of, of splits and all the BS you want to you throw out there, Jack Flaherty has a whip under one, a 2.75 ERA. He's an absolute beast. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a challenge on Friday. It is, but I kind of like the way it plays out where we have um, – our grizzled veteran going game one against the guy who's never been in the playoffs. And then game two, they have their legit ace who they need a win out of in game yep. two. Right. And we have a guy who could be a damn ace if we get the right Fulty that night. Right. So if we can counter him with uh, the Fulty we saw for the last five starts. I mean, it could be a hell of a game. Yeah. It could be a, a and pitching then we, And then we have Soroka lined up for three. Right. This game, too, is scary because of how good Flaherty is. And because you have a better matchup in game one, game one is paramount to win. If you win game one and let's say you drop game two, it's not the end of the world. But if you drop game one and then you got to go against Flaherty. That's scary. Even if you have home field advantage and you got a raucous SunTrust Park behind you, it's terrifying. And the other terrifying thing about this game is Fultonavich pitching, like you mentioned, 97 degrees it'll be on Friday. And it's not like the game will be at 7 or 8. It's going to be at 437 for some goddamn reason because MLB sucks. Well, they got other games to show, Graham. They do. But it's just it's really frustrating how we can't break this up. I don't understand why we can't uh, you know, do something like uh, you know, NL, NL plays Thursday and Friday, AL plays Saturday and Sunday. Therefore, no one has to play at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. We're competing against the damn the Yankees and the Dodgers. We're not going to win either of those primetime slots. But no, but listen to what I'm saying. Thursday and Friday, here's my proposed schedule. Thursday and Friday, you show the National League Division Series only. Okay. You don't show the American League at all. Why and would, then on Saturday and Sunday, you show American League only. Why would they show half the games? We have to play those games either way. I know, but I just don't put them on the same day. The, but the way they're doing it now, they can show all the damn games. I know. I don't want to show all the damn games. Grim, MLB doesn't give a shit about you and your work schedule. Well, if they want better ratings, they should. No, that would give them half the ratings. No, that would give them shit ratings because not everybody's going to be able to watch the game at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. 
A lot of people make, could make it happen. I know. I have to make it happen. I don't have to go into work. If the Brewers lose, I don't have to go into work at 7 to put in a full day. I go to work at 7 every day. You'll be all right. No, I can't handle that. <laughs> you don't have to drive to Norcross. I have to wake up at like 5.30. Well, there's not going to be traffic at 7. You can I get don't there like easily. It. There's always traffic in Atlanta. I don't care what time of day you're driving. If you leave before 7, there's no traffic. Ugh. Either way, it sucks. But also, either way, facing Jack Flaherty is going to suck, but it's going to suck a lot less if we're able to take game one. If you were a true Braves fan, Graham, you would just quit your job. Uh, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't depend on it, if I didn't have any other options, I, I definitely would. <laughs> just for the playoffs. Just for the playoffs. And I'd be like, can I have it back? We got take a, a leave of absence. We got eliminated a little earlier than I anticipated. Yeah, it's like we get swept. I, I got to come back. Uh, that's good. That's going to be depressing. Yeah. Game three starter for the Cardinals, Adam, will be none other than our old friend mm. and nemesis, Adam Wainwright, who looked left for dead as early as last year and has had a bit of a rocky season but has really righted the ship in September. Uh, sub-3 ERA. Uh, not striking out a lot of guys anymore. Only 23 strikeouts in September to seven walks. Um but has definitely looked a lot better and looked a little bit like his old self with that, that loopy curveball and his and his just veteran bullshit that he possesses. Um, he would match up against Soroka in Game 3. Um, let's get Wayne Wright, another right-hander. Live experience, so you got to respect him going into that game. Maybe even uh, a, a hell of a lot more than, than Mikolas, even though Mikolas isn't a pushover. But you got to like this matchup in the sense of Wainwright versus Soroka, where Soroka is clearly the better pitcher in his prime. Wainwright, on the other hand, though, has the experience and has pitched well recently. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup to see how that all shakes out. Keep in mind, we don't 100% know these are the matchups. Like We no. don't know. I was thinking about it today. Oh, yeah. When this comes out, it'll probably be rendered null and void. Well, I was thinking about it today. I wouldn't be shocked if they throw a freed game, too. Like, I think what Freed has going against him is we kind of need another left-handed arm in the bullpen that we can trust, and he came out of the bullpen on Sunday. It was either Saturday or Sunday, one of these games, and uh, piggybacks, Sunday he piggybacks Soroka. Mm-hmm. But I would not be shocked if, I mean, the media's been wrong. There's just faulty speculation for game two. That's true. Nothing's been confirmed. Right. I mean, I would not be shocked if it's like, no, Freed, he's a bulldog, been with us all year. I mean, you could, but I think I think Fulte has. I want Fulte. But that's the thing that kind of pisses me off about the Soroka game three stuff, which still wasn't confirmed. But my thing is, is that I haven't had a week to marinate on this whole uh, whole home road split stuff. Like we mentioned last week, Soroka's numbers are better on the road than they are at home. Soroka is my best pitcher. The regular season is over. I want my best pitcher to pitch as much as possible. And that's why I would prefer if Soroka pitched game one, regardless of the scenario. So, you know, we started this year getting swept by the Phillies. Yeah. And ended it getting swept by the Mets on a walk-off in the 11th, right? Yes. That's happened before. That exact same scenario. It's jogging my five-year-old memory, I think. It's happened at 95, right, Adam? Yes, Graham. We were swept by the Mets. But not just swept by the Mets, a walk-off in the 11th inning. That is eerie. With the Philly sweep at the beginning of the season. Wait, oh my god, I didn't know that other thing happened in 95-2. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Those are good, that's a good historical stat right there. Yeah. I tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> I mean, the 11th inning, that, I mean, that, yeah, that's just uh, it's a little eerie. 
eerie in a good way, though. We'll just leave... Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I think... Yeah. Like that's that's my biggest thing for the series, man. It's just like if those top four guys can perform up to expectations, even if Freddie isn't himself and he can at least be serviceable, and the other three guys can carry him, I think we're okay. I feel good. If those guys falter, and the the top four of the order can't do shit, which we've had, you know, happened way too many times in the past with you know our potent lineups like the 2003 team, Chipper and Sheffield. And those guys just didn't look that great in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a simple analysis, but I think that's what it comes down to. Because I think our rotations, if we compare them, are comparable. You know, we have you know we each have a Wiley veteran that has uh, you know great postseason experience. Obviously, Keiko is better than Lane Wright at this stage in his career. But you know, fuck us, the playoffs. We have a you know young studs and Flaherty and Soroka. Yeah. And then you have uh, guys in Mikolas and Fulte who have excellent talent, but have struggled. Uh, um, you know, been up and down throughout their careers. Right now, Mikolas, you know, he's had a good September. He's had a kind of a rough year, whereas Fulte had his, his year started really rough, went about as rock bottom as he could get, to now being, you know, arguably the hottest pitcher, not arguably the hottest pitcher on the staff. He is the hottest pitcher on the staff heading into the playoffs. So this is a very interesting um, pitching matchup, regardless of who pitches in what game. It's like we are uh, doppelgangers. Yeah. of each other. It's 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 uh, quite fascinating. Yeah, pitching wise. Yeah, very evenly. I don't know much about their bullpen. Do you? Their bullpen is supposedly very good. So the Cardinals have had the second best bullpen ERA in the National League this year. They have Andrew Miller, who's had a good season. Yeah, they also have Carlos Martinez, who's uh, supposed to be a starter for them, but wound up going to the bullpen. He has twenty four saves when he got converted in there a little later in the season. Um, you know, the, once again, they still only have one left hander there. But their bullpen is is solid, and their guys throw hard. They don't have uh, – it's kind of like polar opposites to our bullpen. Even our bullpen, I would say, is pretty solid. We don't really have flamethrowers throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. I would, I would say in terms of just with Miller and, and Martinez alone, um, I would say that probably gives, us, probably gives them the leg up a little bit on the bullpen just because even though I like Martin, Melanson, and Green – Melanson. Sorry, Melanson and Green. I don't know why I always want to say Melanson. Uh, must be my Southern heritage. I think that that bullpen is more fit for the postseason in terms of striking guys out. This is, this is that, that's the biggest thing. I think with – that's the thing with playoff baseball, man. These guys that just put the ball – if you can minimize putting the ball in play, less weird shit can happen. We've seen playoff series turn on a dime on an error or, you know – a missed uh, like the like the the Dodgers game last year in Game Four when Charlie Culberson couldn't get that play up the middle, you know it wasn't like the ball was hit exceptionally hard, but it, it allowed two runs to score. If he makes that play, who knows? Maybe we could have forced yeah. a Game Five against LA. So it's like missing Dansby there. Exactly. So it's like with the Cardinals because of their high velocity, all up and down their bullpen. Um, beyond Martinez and Miller, it seems like they have the advantage there in terms of they can strike out guys more than we can. So it's a pretty good bullpen. Yeah, I feel good about ours as well, though. I do, too. I think my boy Darren O'Day is going to make the final roster as well. I think he is, too. I think he pitched well down the stretch. Um, you got to like him more than almost any other last candidate that could possibly be. I mean, there's no chance in hell Swarzak's getting on the team. Yeah, Swarzak's out. Um, I'm not quite sure of the scenarios. Like, I don't know if 
Luke Jackson, I don't know if he's going to be on there or not. I know he's kind the of Julio Teron piece is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I don't know if Julio's going to make it or not. Um, it's going to be interesting when that postseason roster finally comes out, which no one knows. They're making yet. us wait for that one. Yeah, they're making us wait but for that one. We can pretty much say our, our top two bench bets are going to be Hechevarria. And Adam Duvall. I would agree with you. Who, who would have thought that a month and a half ago? I mean, think about June, right, when Austin Riley was taking over the world and we had that just potent-as-hell offense. Um, you know, I figured Austin Riley was going to be uh, a fixated, you know, a, a fixture in the lineup. He was going to be hitting fifth. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, just mash him for the rest of the year. But I mean, I think without a doubt Duvall's beaten down the stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think Billy Hamilton makes it because – you want somebody who can have some speed off the off the bench. He's, he does play good defense. Um, and play center if Acuna. If Acuna can't hurt. go. And Ender and Ciarte came out that he's not going to be able to make the NLDS roster. His hamstring is still uh, hurting him. So your options are limited in terms of who you go to, but at the very least because of the depth that has been acquired that can actually do something on this team, unlike um, acquiring depth that can't do anything on another team in this city that we've already talked about tonight. Uh, you got to like all our bench folks. Yeah, for the most part. And, like, I mean, having options for some quality arms might not make the cut. If, yeah. I mean, if Julio doesn't make it, I feel terrible for him. But I get it as well. I, I, I think he's going to sneak his way on there as a bullpen arm. But, um, yeah, that could go either way. Yeah. My thing, my one issue I have, I think, with, with this team – going to the playoffs is if someone blows up you know you can turn to freed freed's probably going to start game four but if someone blows up and let's say freed doesn't do that well either but the game still within reach let's say it's like four to two or something and you know it's like and it's only the fourth inning or or something like that it's it's like your bullpen becomes extremely thin at that point so you got newcomb but you don't know what you're going to get from him um you know do you just look at martin green and I, I don't want to mess up Mark's name again. I'll Melanson. Melanson, and just say, you guys got to go out there and throw two fucking innings. Just man up. No? So you'd be comfortable with, like, Blevins and Tomlin and Luke Jackson coming out there? I don't there? know if those guys are ma- – if, if Julio makes it and if Luke Jackson makes it, I don't think both Blevins and Tomlin make it. I think Blevins makes it strictly on just being a lefty guy. But if you have Freed in the bullpen, that's true. The, these this is these are the conversations that are happening right, right now. At <laughs> <laughs> the Apples is like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. One. I forgot about that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's a little more uh, astute than that than our. our but our that's what's interesting. I mean, that's why Julio might make it because he can come out and go three or four innings. Yeah, he could. Fulty is too hot and dehydrated. It, it sucks for Julio, even though I didn't really want him in the rotation, how he kind of just faded down the stretch there. Had those two That's bad true. starts against the Phillies, and then his next start also sucked. Yeah, um, he had a chance to make a name for himself there. Yeah, but and you know, a job. hats off to, to Fulty for coming back and and, and, make, and being uh, you know a factor down the stretch because I feel a lot more confident about our chances going to the playoffs with him if he's pitching like this. This is the best I've ever seen him pitch. Um, you know, if if he hadn't come back and it was just like, we got to go with Freed instead, you'd be like, okay, that's okay. That's good. But I feel more confident 
would fault you just because he's been so shut down recently. And um, and now you have a better option for game four if you do go with a fourth starter for game four or run back Keuchel. And we at least admit that my boy, uh, who he just mentioned, Josh Tomlin, give him little props for his season he had. Yeah, he, he did well. I, I still don't trust him. I still don't want to see him pitch in the in the playoffs. Really, I trust that unless guy. there's unless we're like beating them like fifteen to one or something. I trust that guy, man. Uh, I don't know. He's he, a savvy he, veteran. He is a savvy veteran, but man, when he doesn't have his 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 stuff working and his location's not heading, he's just like the most easily hittable pitcher there is. Well, that goes for anyone who doesn't have their stuff working. No, but he's so slow. It's so slow. He just doesn't have a lot of great movement on his pitches when he's not on. It's just. You velocity guy now? I mean, just velocity. It's just location. Like, Keiko's the same way. I mean, Keiko's got better raw stuff than um, than Tomlin. But at the same time, like, I wor- like if he's not on, it could be a really short outing. These guys, like I said, put the ball in play. They know what they're doing. I mean, you look up and down their, uh, you know, their lineup. Who scares the shit out of me on the Cardinals? Who? Um, Tommy Edmond. Oh, their third baseman. Do you know much about him? I don't know much about him, but I've heard he's pretty good. He's a rookie who hit 350 down the stretch, and he racked up like four and a half war in like 92 games or Jesus something like God. that. Yeah, no, he's like he he's like a uh, oh, he's a switch hitter too. He's like a Ben Zobra. He plays every damn position too. Yeah, switch hitter. Yeah, he's had a pretty good. Uh, I mean, look, very good season. Look at his numbers in September. Particularly in September, hitting 350, six bombs, um, 660 slugging, over 1,000 on base plus slugging. This guy's Ooh, dangerous. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. So that's a guy that can hit the ball out of the fucking ballpark. Yeah, he's he's someone to watch out for. And they're just solid up and down their, their lineup. I mean, you look at it, you got Paul Goldschmidt, who's had a bit of a down season but has been hot in September. Yachty Molina, you know. All world catcher, not much of an offensive threat, uh, but you know one of the best defensive catchers around. Colton Wong, solid. Uh, Paul DeJong, solid. Marcelo Zuna, we know him from his Marlins days. Not as powerful as he once was, but still a very good player. Harrison Bader, not much with the with the bat, but solid with the glove. Dexter Fowler, another solid player uh, out in right field from the. He used to be on the Cubs, um, and then you got this Edmund kid who's just taking the world by storm. Uh, his run. Um, now that I'm looking at these these numbers, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Austin Riley in terms of how hot he is. Just sort of, and the, and the scary part for him is that he's a switch hitter, and there's not much difference in his splits when he switch hits. So he, there's no, you know, not to say there's no way to attack him, obviously, but it, it's not as just saying, oh, he's well, he's terrible against left-handers. So you know, but and it's, and, and it's like he hasn't been up long enough for us the league to figure him out, like they did Austin Riley. Right. Right. So that is, uh, yeah, I mean, they, the Cardinals have a very, very respectable roster. I'd still say we have the advantage, but um, it's, it's not going to be an easy series at all. Yeah. On the plus side, last year, Chipper Jones said that we were going to lose to the Dodgers. This year, he's got us beating the Cards. It's good. And he's a guy that... He tells it like it is. It he's is. usually right about everything too. He's he's been right about uh, when we lost to the Dodgers in 2013. Who knows what he was? I wonder if he was like uh, the 2012 wild card game. He's like, yeah, I'll probably lose to the Cardinals. Oh, this is prediction. No, I hope not. Um, 
But yeah, so we got that going for us. We got that going for us. Chipper believes in the Braves. So remember, so, remember that in 2013 when he went up against the Braves and he was throwing out the uh, he predicted the Dodgers would win. He was throwing out the first pitch in Game One, and then uh, Homer, the old mascot, had to catch him because no one on the Braves would would catch the opening pitch. Yeah, they were talking about that. Is it just because they were so pissed off? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So he's throwing out the first pitch Thursday. Who is he? Yeah. Oh. And yeah, they were joking about it on his interview this morning that hopefully an actual player will catch him this time. Yeah, I think that will. Uh, I think that will happen. So I don't know what else really is to say about this. this is two good teams. Um, the Cardinals don't have a ton of. Uh, they're healthy too. That's, just, that's the thing that worries me the most. I think about this series is the health of our, our, our Acuna. And and Freddie, and they're pretty much all healthy, um, St. Louis, and and they're definitely a lot harder, hotter down the stretch. So it's like they might have a little more momentum, but it's pretty evenly matched. Here's the I'd thing: say. I feel like if one of those guys, if Freddie or Acuna, if they're anywhere close to like eighty ninety percent, I feel okay. Yeah, I feel better about Acuna than I do Freddie. I agree. Freddie, I'm very worried about. But I think if we have at least just one of those guys to go with Ozzy and Donaldson and Joyce and hopefully rejuvenated Dansby and Marcakis. Marcakis, and hopefully we get a. I mean, we got Brian McCann going out there game two against the righty. I mean, you never know, man. But yeah. we need one of those guys to be a contributor. Yeah. For sure. If Yeah, I think you're exactly right. If three of the four guys are doing well, we're fine. If one of those top four guys are not doing well, we're probably going to lose this series. Well, <laughs> you said if three of those guys are doing good, we're fine. If one of them is not, we're not fine. Well, I just said the same. That's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant is like if only, if like only it's like Oz- a sabermetrics guy, Graham. Yeah, right. If 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 pretty much if only Ozzy's doing his job on the top four of the order, we're fucked. Right. It's it's all over. Right. That that's I think as as much as we've talked about bullpens and all this other bullshit, I think it really just comes down. That's what to, it comes down to. It, that's what it comes down to. Is can let's, our offense score some runs? Yeah, can our offense hold up against you know two of their their three guys that they have going the first three games are are very hittable in Wayne Wright and, and Mikolas. Sam Holbrook better be terrified. If he does anything crazy, yeah, I mean they're not going to be able to keep fans in the. In the bleachers? No, he he might have to like be security escorted, uh, like out of the country or something. I, I guarantee they've discussed a security plan. Sure. For when, if when he Sam makes Holbrook his, does. his like, shitty. Why ball. would they do that? Why would they schedule Sam Holbrook you, for this series? You know what the shittiest part about it is, Adam? It's not just that he's in the series. He's going to be the second base umpire every single game. So. Uh, at least that's what I heard. I may be wrong, but at least with game one, he's going to be the second base umpire. And you know who calls infield flies? It's usually that second base umpire. Hmm. You better be damn sure it's an infield fly. Yeah. Maybe he'll call one for us, and then we can just that all, would be great. If then we go, can just all give him a nice little yeah, golf. Clap it's like it's like a it's like a fly ball into the warning track, and he's like infield fly but i just think him calling a proper infield fly that would be good for the people of atlanta yes and for him yes because i know he's nervous about it we're nervous as hell about it sure let's just get that out of the way right and then we can all move on with our lives yeah i don't want to know the name of any umpire scram 
I don't either. Like if it's like an offensive line, if I know alignment, if I know who you are, for the most part, I don't. It's not good. Yeah, you should be a seamless contributor. You done messed up, AA Ron. Yeah. Well, let's hope that we have good news for you next week when we record. Um, there's a lot of anxiety going on. A lot of a lot of anger and anxiety. Anger for the Falcons, anxiety for the Braves. Yep. But we'll be at, uh, or I'll be at both games. Adam will be at game two. So I'm really looking forward to it. And let's uh, let's make Sun Trust <laughs> a true home field advantage. Let's keep this energy we've had the whole season and ratchet it up to level 10. Because, I mean, like, think about fucking Walker Bueller last year, man. He was rattled his shit with the chop going. Yeah, I mean, you know, that grand slam. Having a home field advantage, you can't say enough things about no, it. You gotta it's crucial. You can make a contribution, so do it. Game one. Take game one. Gotta take game one. Hundred percent. All right. Until next time, try to rise up as much as you can, even though you cannot chop on. The Brotherhood is dead. Unite and conquer and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. I'm already stressed out. <laughs>